Thomas. I'm Stephen Kelly. And I'm Mitchell Brown. Well, we t- touched upon last episode, I believe, or the episode before that, how some media t- kind of fails in some <laughs> aspect. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is kind of an example of local media failing to ferret out certain details in a given case, and later it shows up in another media venue via the Associated Press. This is a local um, case that occurred in Lawrenceburg last year, September 1st. So, yes, September 1st of 2012. Um, I'm going to butcher this person's first name. Ziad Abid. He was him and a guy by the last name of Singletary. He, it's their sus, Reginald Singletary Jr., who had murdered Blaine Whitworth. He was a well-known bar owner in Warrensburg. Singletary killed him. The whole story came out at the time that Abid had hired him to take a hit on him. If, if I'm pronouncing that one correctly. But Singletary was the only uh, corroborating voice with that. Nobody else has come forward to confirm that, uh, that, he, that it was a cash in exchange for murder. Yeah. And that's what's recently come out within the Associated Press. More details about that. Um, like, we're, like, how many of you interacted with the beat on... On a regular basis. Never. Uh, as far as the three people, the the suspects and uh, the, the victim, I did not know Singletary or Abid. I spoke with Whitworth once in a 30-minute conversation for a story that I was working on in the spring of 2012 that never fully materialized. Yeah, and my only encounter with any of them. I don't recall ever meeting Singletary. I, I uh, did meet a bead at one point when I still worked at the local Hastings store, but it wasn't anything, you know, pretty much I helped him set up a, uh, a rental account. And he didn't seem like a bad guy or anything. It's just there's not much you can really gather by uh, interaction like that. I mean, it's not like he's going to come in and threaten me or anything. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> you know? The that's the thing. I think there's no uh, telltale signs of of somebody being a murderer. Like uh, if you look at someone like Ted Bundy, you know, previous to, however, what is it? Well, what was Ted Bundy's body count? It was fifteen or over something? Fifteen, was, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't quite. And it was like no, but it it was the last person you would suspect. So looks, it's like you know, he's considered to be handsome, clean cut spoke multiple languages, was his own defense, 
at the trial at the yeah. trial whenever the case went to trial and the judge even complimented Bundy and said you know if you wouldn't have chosen the path you did could you make you could have made a name for yourself on the other side of the law so I mean looks or this or that that's not an indicator of, of guilt or innocence well there's um, a lot of people that still <clears throat> cling to like old you know psychological evaluations where you know they thought you that they thought that you know anyone that had any sort of bad intentions was like they had some sort of outward appearance so i mean there was a kind of along the same lines as what they used to do with eugenics there used to be people that would look at people craniology well like they they would craniology (laughs) has been dismissed oh yeah and they would look at people that you know committed these kind of crimes and say well he's got a shifty look in his eyes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and try to you know and that stuff it just doesn't work I mean, and that's, unfortunately, as we're about to discuss, the media has kind of latched on to that kind of backwards thinking and ran with it a little bit. Uh, what I had, I had interacted with him on a number of occasions. I, for those who don't know, I work retail graveyard shift. I would come in all the time buying things like tomatoes, bread from the bakery, maybe some cottage cheese, a few uh, parsley just simple stuff, nothing of any significance. And he didn't seem like he wasn't rude or anything like that. And for, for me, because of the type of person I am, I'm, I grew up the sensitive type. There, there are people who can, for me, can look clean cut, shaven, and still manage to give me the creeps. He was not one of those people. <laughs> he didn't give me the creeps at all. That's not saying that, oh, he... he he was completely innocent or anything like that or completely guilty, but he didn't come off as the type that that tried too hard to be charming or anything like that. So, just foreign exchange students seem to help his friends out. That that type of person. Why do you say that? Why do you what what witness do you have of him helping his friends out? Um, there is a girl who had been abused in a previous relationship, so. Without certain medications, she wouldn't be able to get any sleep without nightmares. Mm-hmm. There were times he would you know, venture into the store with her, just keeping an eye on her and things like how that. Do you, how, but do you know that's what, what he was doing, is keeping an eye on her? Yes, because that's the conversation she and I had had. Apparently her friends had also trashed her apartment, and he was there to help her clean things up and things like that. So he didn't come off as the type of person that, that's like, hey, I'll pay you money if you hit this person. It's just and you don't you don't hear about you don't hear about hitmen being from or people hiring out hitmen and people hiring them being from Saudi Arabia. It, it, well it could be I, I disagree with that because it could be anybody. I think that is just as much of a faulty statement as the people who said, oh, no, he because he was Saudi and he was going to school for aviation, well, of course they should deny the bond then. Anybody could, anybody could be a killer. Anybody could put up the money. Like whenever I say the word mafia, people immediately, or organized crime, people immediately think of mafia, Italians, La Cosa Nostra. But there was... Uh, their Irish organized crime. You know, now after the fall of the Soviet Union, Albanians. there's you know Ru- Russian organized okay, crime. So I don't think any one group of people has complete innocence or guilt 
over uh, over an action like that. If somebody has the money and the and the sort of uh, nefarious intentions, then it could be anybody. I don't think somebody's exempt from doing it because of what country. But it's not something commonly heard of. You hear about other groups, other countries. Saudi Arabia, things are a little bit more out in the open, like beheadings, things like that. But um, it's just... And I, it was one of the things where I kind of backed away from it. You know, I in, taught, in what I, sense? How did you... What in particular did you back away from? Like, when the whole event occurred... I'm like, there's more to this than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I discussed it with friends. I didn't really get into it because one, one of my coworkers, you know, we were discussing bar and everything else. But one of my coworkers that, that at the time doesn't like it when somebody talks about somebody who had just died. Mm-hmm. It, some people don't handle death very well. It happens, but. I kept thinking to myself, there's more to this than meets the eye, and not all the information comes mm-hmm. out, because oftentimes, it either happens one of two ways in any form of press, any form of television. Either the most relevant information comes 48 hours, within the first 48 hours, and then it starts getting filtered, mm-hmm. or certain information comes, and others is added later. That's what I've noticed. Well, what, what did, I mean, this question goes to both of you. What did you think when it initially happened in initial media coverage and mistakes as far as as media coverage as you can see from your point of view? I personally uh, noticed immediately he couldn't, I mean, this this case couldn't have picked a worse time to happen than right before 9-11, mm-hmm, first of all. Mm-hmm. And with him being Saudi Arabian, I mean, let's let's flash back to 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 when 9-11 happened, the aviation department came under a lot of scrutiny because there was a possibility that one of the hijackers was trained here. So there's always been really? kind of this, I think it was disproven. I don't I don't actually, I never thought Because I've that. never heard they, that before either. There were agents uh, coming in and interviewing people on campus right mm-hmm. after that happened because there was, unfortunately, with you know the names, they weren't sure if certain people, where they were from and such. Um. So it's the school's always been kind of on edge with that, it seems like. And when that happened, it was like immediately people online, I've noticed on Facebook, you know, granted this is just, you know, crowdsourcing or crowd, you know, herd mentality here. But mm-hmm. immediately everybody took the, oh, well, Saudi Arabian, you know, he, he obviously is a terrorist and has, you know, some kind of bad intentions. Mm-hmm. And that, unfortunately, you can you can understand something like that because I mean, if you go to any news website and you read their yeah. comment section, it's like the cesspool of the internet. But I wouldn't have expected to see that in the actual media. And a lot of the news articles that came out were exactly like that. I know uh, you were bringing up one where they had specifically said, you know, he had a bad look about him. Well, of the with the one, it was it was it was printed in the Mule Skinner, and we before we went on air. We tried to find it on the Digital Berg, and I couldn't find it. And it was in the Voices section, and it was called The Saudi Side of Things. And it did a good job, re- the article, of rebuking the idea of his actions being represent, re- being representative of the Saudi students. It interviewed a lot of Saudi students, uh, quoted them saying things that they didn't 
they didn't associate with him. And uh, also, in, in I think in the same article or other articles, talking about the money he had yeah. or the people getting a bad vibe from him. So without saying he's guilty, it creates indicate it puts down indicators of guilt. The the money issue, by or that his nickname was the Prince. You know, yeah. he, calling himself that but having no ties to Saudi royalty. Uh, I think it was one of the the Kansas City News websites. There's a picture of him with the, a great big like huge like gangster type diamond studded watch yeah so it all of that that type of imagery and that type of focusing on money uh can lead people to think uh you know probably has the means or he probably did this because in my mind i i picked up on the idea or thought of okay this is a money for hire this is a hit for hire in my mind yeah it's it's an idea of the media convicting somebody before it ever goes to trial in my mind, I thought, okay, well, they've got the guy, and isn't this, you know, so full of intrigue? And then whenever the AP article was released, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, and some other details about things concerning Singletary came to surface, I'm like, well, how could I have automatically fell for that for that narrative when supposedly somebody is innocent inter- until proven guilty? So I, I, I was almost to catch myself and to be like, you know, shame on me for fall, falling for this. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, I people were so afraid that he was going to post bond and then, and then flee. And I'm like thinking to myself, I don't think Saudi Arabia takes kindly to people ha- having others murdered in cold blood for no given reason. That, if anything, their penalties for murder are stiffer than the United States, so... But it didn't... But, I mean, to be honest, even though, of course, because of Sharia law, Saudi Arabia has stricter laws, it didn't happen in Saudi Arabia. Right. It happened yeah. here, so it's under the jurisdiction of an American court. And the thing is, you mentioned the bling. The bling. He's not the only uh, Middle Easterner who has been wearing bling that I've seen. Right. I've mm-hmm. seen others wear bling. But in one of the, I should try to find it, in one of the, the news websites when the story first broke, there was a picture of him with his watch, a picture of him, a close-up of right. him holding the watch with that type of, you know, pose. Well, and like, you know, the media has been falling into the trap where people have been said to be, you know, found guilty on, on trial by media a lot. And I'm just going to go back to, you remember the, uh, the Casey Anthony trial not too long ago? The woman oh, yeah. who was, uh, her child had drowned and she ended up, it's sketchy as to what actually happened, but needless to say, the baby was put in a bag and buried and then a story came out that, you know, it was someone else did it. And that's, you know, aside the fact, but she, uh, if you recall when that trial was going on, people got a hold of her Facebook pictures and immediately painted this picture. Cause like there was a bunch of pictures of her partying and holding mm-hmm. alcohol and, you know, 99% of the time, if you saw a news thing after her Facebook broke, all of a sudden it would be, you know, Casey was known to be a party woman, and she obviously did not want the child, and this is probably why she murdered them. And it's like, wow, media, that's awesome that you jumped to that enormous conclusion. 
it's pretty cool that we have a you know a judicial system that's supposed to discover this for us. But and I, so I'm always kind of appalled when that they do that, and with our local media all of a sudden starting to do that kind of stuff, it kind of was a little bit shocking for the most part for me. It it wasn't shocking to me because being in class, I saw how distraught people were. And I think uh, people look for someone to blame or they want a villain. And if he actually did do it, well, then he, you know, fits the label of a nefarious person or of a villain. But I think also having the, okay, this is who did it, open and shut. But this is who, you know, was the catalyst with this. I think in some cases it, uh, I don't know, acts as a form of, you know, comfort to some people. And one thing we were discussing before we went on air is, like, a lot of the the, the, the interviews that they've done in local media kind of came across um, to where they were kind of going into hindsight a little bit too much. Because let's face it, I work nights, and let's say that I was in trouble for something. You know, my neighbors don't ever see me. And, you know, if... if I all of a sudden had a, a an FBI agent or something knocking on my neighbor's door. They very well would say, "Well, you know, he doesn't ever come out. I, I think he, you know, sleep all the time, and you know, he's every once in a while. I think he has like cats, and I, he just seems like a bad person. I, he takes bags of trash out all the time. And that's what you always hear on the news whenever something right. happens like that. It's people are they assume that oh man, this guy did a bad thing." And then all of a sudden, their mind fills in all the blanks of what they, you know, did in their daily routine, and it all clicks. So every, everyone here has read the recent AP article, right? Yes. How, what do you think about the inform, the new information that's being released concerning Singletary? Because as far as I know, that's new. The information I'm talking yeah. about, it's the first time I've ever seen that in a source, and in a national source, as opposed to... A local source. How do you? How does that? Has that influenced your perspective on the on the case at all? It it's it does come off as new information, or rather, information that wasn't really new, but was sort of withheld in the sense, or not. How do you know? I I wouldn't necessarily say that it was withheld. Somebody just wasn't on their A game as far as digging it up goes. Hence, why I said either withheld or not even discovered until just now because they're the his attorneys were speaking in past tense that Singletary had changed his story several times it was mafia and then, then throwing him under the bus no first how how it went when i read in the in the ap article it was singletary is, is questioned first he says it's the mafia then he says a Kansas City gang put him up to it then he says it was his roommate, Abib. It's just, he's changed. To me, that interspecula it creates, uh, puts a cloud of speculation right. over Abib's guilt. If he changes his story twice before he points the finger to Abib, I think if that had been released right from the get-go, or if that had been put into print in local media right from the get-go, it puts a cloud of speculation on it, healthy speculation. And this, if, I mean, if that if that's really what happened, and that's the issue. The thing is, what I kept, what I was seeing was 
with all the whole denying bail, then then a new judge comes to the case and says, okay, if you can put two million in in the court's account, okay, the money's there, but I'm still not going to let people go. It it's just, and that's is that I mean one of the things that in the AP article that was written is that that violates the Missouri Constitution. Is that oh. true? As far as I know. And I, I, th I think the Attorney General responded as well, trying to remember if he agreed with the judge's assessment or not. Well, and it seems like the judge has this fear that he is going to, you know, run to run home and, you know, never you flee the country and never face any sort of justice. And it, right there, it just kind of says... It makes you wonder if the judge oh, hasn't pretty much already made his mind up. <laughs> is is that a legitimate fear on the judge's part, or or I mean, maybe they're just scared that if they let him bail out, maybe you know they think the town's going to flip out or something. I think I think that is a very well. I don't really think. I mean, if the judge has a bias towards people of Middle Eastern descent, I don't think his safety is of the judge's concern. What you bring up is legitimate, because if the way, if people who knew Blaine and are convinced of Abid's guilt before he goes to trial, well then if he was to let out, it's I think it's a legitimate concern that there would be somebody who would take some type of, you know, vigilante action. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not unheard of at all by any means. You have a lot of times people doing vigilante justice in bigger cities. And let's face it, you know, Warrensburg doesn't have a lot of these big crimes like this, but when they do happen, they're doozies. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would not be surprised. Another thing that, it to me, that shows, you know, the fault of, of local media or the just uh, subparness, for lack of a better term, of local media is within that AP article, it was written that uh, Singletary had been fired the week before the murder. And to me, when I kept on reading reports in local media about it, it was the, the only quote that was from Singletary ever was, he gave me, you know, that he, get, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but that he gave him money in exchange to, to kill Whitworth. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I wanted to know more. What was the motive behind it? What was the motive? What was the motivation? The fact that that uh, Singletary had been fired, or it's been reported that Singletary had been fired the week before the murder, that's a motive of, of a disgruntled employee. I mean, if we were to apply Occam's razor to this, mm -hmm. yeah. what, uh, but with that, by applying the theory of Occam's razor, what becomes more probable? Someone fired a week beforehand, they're mad at their boss, or it's a hit. And I think, and, and we won't, I mean, we won't know for certain until it goes to trial, but I think it would be really easy to dig up the information that a bouncer at a popular bar who is accused of, you know, being the trigger man in this murder, oh yeah, they were fired the week before, talk to patrons, talk to workers, and that would be so easy to dig up. But I did not see that in the Mule Skinner. I did not see it in any other local media outlet. The first time uh, I was made privy to that knowledge was in an AP article. And what does it say 
when you can have a national news branch basically outscoop a local uh, the local organizations for something that you would have to just lightly scratch the surface to find that out. And I think I think that is an important factor because it establishes a possible motive. And it's like the news media here in town had moved on from that. They had their bad guy. He was, in their minds, obviously guilty. And so all the news coverage that I had seen, and especially at one point uh, someone had created a Reddit page for Warrensburg that was entirely information about that, all of it was just uh, talking about you know candlelight vigils and charity things right. and human interest stories for um, Mr. Whitworth. Which I think I honestly think ha- has its place. I mean, oh, yeah. I think because this is yes. somebody who's in the limelight, who's known by a lot of people, there are people who are going to have that type of emotional reaction. But no one asked any, you know, any questions further on the crime itself. There wasn't, you know, hey, uh, so why did he, you know, because like people were trying to piece together why he put a hit on him, and no one could. The people were saying, well, he obviously borrowed money, and like there, none of that was backed up by any sort of evidence. It was mm-hmm. just kind of thrown out there and never heard of again. And to be honest, until who that, did you know who said that was that that was never I don't believe that was ever just sort of talk around the town. Yeah, it was kind of just like gossip around the town, basically. You, you hear rumors such as oh, he tried to buy this bar. I heard that yeah. too. Yeah. I heard that too. But according to in the the AP article, his lawyers are quoted as saying that him and Whitworth had no interaction. Which definitely puts the whole thing into you know, a little bit of perspective there, and uh, I mean it's just kind of kind of crazy that they kind of seemingly, especially when AP comes. And I I've been noticing that there's been a lot of uh, news trucks and stuff driving back and forth on 50 Highway when really? I go to work, <laughs> and it makes me wonder if uh, like because I saw the Fox 4 truck and the Channel 9 truck not too long ago, and I. At the time, I'm like, man, what's going on? And then I kind of assumed it was about the time the Moore, Oklahoma uh, thing happened. I assumed at that time it had to do with tornadoes. But now Mm -hmm. that I think of it, that was about the time when the trial information was coming out. And it's just funny because you don't see any local media really discussing these things. Why why do you think that is? Because... I personally, I mean, I'm not going to throw the town under the bus. I will. I mean, this this (laughs) town... Kind of does that, you know, if something happens, they don't like to be, yeah, (laughs) they don't like to be questioned on it. And, you know, for us sitting here and saying, hey, what if it wasn't a bead? You know, that's blasphemy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this subject, but I wanted to be very careful how we word it. Because a lot of times by, if there are, you know, as there are statements by Singletary that, that plant, to create speculation in someone's mind, those need to be addressed. And by focusing on that, it doesn't necessarily makes make us anyone in this room supporters of Abid or oh, saying no. yes he is innocent. It's saying wait a minute, there are some things here that came out of Singletary's mouth that uh, aren't aren't congruent. Um, I was able to find this. Article from the Kansas City Star by Donald Bradley. Get this, the headline says, Judge was right to reject Saudi money, Missouri Attorney General says. This is this is what Chris Coster had to say about the whole ordeal. Even though he could have been released, um, 
According to Coster, cash coming directly from the government of Saudi Arabia did not meet requirements to best ensure that it be, would appear for trial. Any, as what, That's what he wrote to the Missouri Court of Appeals late Monday. This is June 11 article. So, Coster is saying, well, yeah, that's perfectly okay to violate the Missouri Constitution. He had a reason to. <laughs> Well, and there you have it. <laughs> I think anytime, anytime you talk about violations of constitutional law, it, it becomes a slippery slope. You, if you look at it on a national level, the you know the Patriot Act, warrantless wiretaps. Okay, you have that in the Bush administration, and with the Obama administration, a continuation of that, you have the National Defense Authorization Act. One, open the door. For the other, mm-hmm. so I think that's where some con- concern comes from with these new developments. Yes, and and that's the big issue right now. the The big issue at the moment is that yeah, you have somebody guilty before proven innocent at this point, and yeah, people may not have liked him for his attitude, but that doesn't mean he's guilty or not guilty, you got to let you got to let the justice system figure that out. Unfortunately, um, one judge retires, the new one comes on board and well, that's it's becoming a giant mess and it's and I don't know if other residents in Warrensburg realize this. It's giving this city a black eye very badly and they can actually stop it by saying, you know what? All this is not going to bring Whitworth back. Well, we don't want to be known as the, you know, the school doesn't want to be known as the school that is outwardly, uh, you know, abrasive to international students where if, you know, they have a crime, they're going to be sent up the river completely because that's kind of what this comes across as. And, you know, I, I just feel that he most likely was in the wrong place at the wrong time and had the wrong ethnicity, and I don't think it would be nearly as big of a deal if, uh, you know, the media coverage and everything would be completely different if that wasn't the case. But. And I know we're going, we're about to go over, aren't we? Yeah, it's about, it's about 30. Okay. Um, real quick. We've been looking for feedback. Somebody has asked what kind of feedback, so I kind of elaborated. But we're going, in the next several days, we're going to be having more ways for people to talk to us, because we want you to talk to us. Did you like how we covered certain topics? Not like how we covered certain topics? you have a guest suggestion? Topic suggestion. Um, drop us a line on our fan page. We're also on Google+. If you go to thenextreport.com, every social network that we're on is right at the top. You just click the little nice little graphical thing, and bam, there you are. Just feel free to ask and say, hey, why didn't you talk about this or talk about that? I've got a Google Voice uh, number as well, so I, I'll get that popped up there at some point, and people can call and leave a message, and you might hear yourself on the show. By the way, that's the terms and conditions of leaving voice-based feedback. You're, you'll show up on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, just so we get that out of the way, it's sort of like, sort of like calling into a radio show, but on a delayed type of thing. They used to have, 
used to be a thing for free for podcasters where people could leave messages and then you could record them and there you go. But this one's a little bit more convenient. Um, anything else to add here or no? What 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 could you think or if you were to speculate as far as possible outcomes of the trial if he is found innocent or guilty as far as what do you think the response from the town, locally, nationally, if we were to just throw out some possible speculative what-ifs? Um, it's kind of up in the air. See, Warrensburg has been described to me by some as a black hole of sorts. It sucks all kinds of personalities <laughs> in, because, partially because of the university. <laughs> but... Uh, a friend of mine described it before as the asshole of the universe. <laughs> so it, 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 a lot of times people will, people will leave and end up being sucked back for whatever reason. Yeah, oh, that's okay. So, um, somebody I know once referred to Harrisonville as the grease pit of the world. So <laughs> so it's, it's all in perspective. Um, let's say he's found guilty. People will say, oh, I knew it all along, blah, blah, blah. That's going to be normal mentality if he's found innocent there are going to still be people stubbornly because of that tragedy in 2001 with that mantra of xenophobia xenophobic type of attitude yes and that is unfortunate my perspective is this that when somebody was complaining that he could he could get himself deported and everything else, and I'm like, uh, and I, I at the time thought to myself, I really don't think he wants to go back to Saudi Arabia with this hanging over his head. And I turned out to be right on that perspective, because why would his family pay for a tracking device and pay for $15 a day despite still being in prison? Did they? According to the AP article, okay. um, they were paying for a tracking device. Why would they do that if they expected him to kind of run away? Because a spokesman with ICE also pointed out that they're trying to communicate better so that they don't deport somebody who has who is a suspect in a given crime. So, but that's part of the reason why I kind of st- stood back because I'm like, you know, not enough information's available. Um, there. There were people who are of the perspective, you don't talk of the dead, you're talking ill of the dead. And I'm like, no, I just want to know what the heck happened because it, it reminded me of when 9-11 was happening. I kept asking questions. People didn't like it. I'm like, because you don't just crash planes into buildings for no given reason. There had to be, something had to have been behind that. I was. You know, that's a whole other issue entirely, though. Well, and I, I can only hope that it goes to a higher court. Because, like, let's face it, if, if this goes to local court or, you know, Cass County or somewhere around here, he's not going to get a fair shake at all. It's too much. It's too all over the media. If this needs to go to, like, a state court or even, like, a higher up, and that way possibly they can get all the information. Because if... if if he's tried here in Johnson County, I don't see it being very good. You think because of because of prevailing attitudes? Oh yeah, attitudes. I mean, every you talk to most people on the street, and if you know, they probably 
don't know his name and they just assume, oh, the guy that hired the hitman. Yeah, so they, yeah. Everyone has their – that's the, the, the narrative that they're sticking with and that's what they've – you know, they, they know that that's what happened. And, you know, if you have any sort of a, a, a true uh, trial by jury, I mean, that's just – it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing. The one, the one thing perspective I have overall of this is – Okay, let's say he's guilty and and everything else. And they I'm sorry, you still need to follow the rules because it's easy for us to criticize countries like China, Saudi Arabia for restricting freedoms when we're doing the same thing and this could turn around and affect everybody in Missouri in the future because of this one decision being made. It can come back to haunt other people. Say it's somebody from a, a student from Russia or Germany. Well, if they were able to get away with it with this guy, who else can they get away with it regarding? And and the, and if somebody asks, well, what if a guilty party gets away? What if they turn out to be tough? We have these rules for a reason. Is does it always work out? No. But if we intervene in this manner we're no better than these other countries that's one of the reasons why people in other countries they don't hate Americans as a people they don't like most of the politicians here because of the double standard that they're setting if you've noticed we criticize the Chinese firewall yet what have we been doing regarding internet freedom here we criticize China for eavesdropping in on conversations, yet what came out recently regarding wiretapping, regarding Verizon's share-everything plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I think that might be a topic for another episode, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. This double standard that we're setting, regardless of whether it's guilty or not, and it sets so at the end of the article in question, it says he gets bond, we need to get him bond. Whether we like him or not, it doesn't matter. And I think that'll pretty much close out this episode. I'm I'm Thomas. I'm Mitchell Brown. I'm Stephen Kelly. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to yet another great episode of the Nixed Report Podcast with your hosts, Thomas Holbrook the Second. Mitchell Brown, and Stephen Kelly. Our intro music is from JT Bruce. It's called Plunge into Hyperreality. It's from the album Dreamer's Paradox, available for free at jimendo.com. Any news clips used are utilized under fair use, and please feel free to visit us at thenextreport.com where you can leave feedback and see show notes.